0: had made a promise to you, and they didn't keep the promise. Can you think of a time when, when somebody had made a promise, or, or you had made plans with somebody, and it just didn't come through, the other person dropped the ball, and they didn't keep the promise? As, as I was reflecting, and I did like some deep soul searching this week, because I really wanted to give you guys a great illustration, like right out of the bat, about like how real life is and stuff, and I actually had a really, really difficult time thinking of an instance and so that's a testament to um like how great a set of parents that i had that that i couldn't even like thinking about okay when's a time when my parents disappointed me i couldn't think of something so hats off to them they're in the audience they're they're here this morning (laughs) but uh, but i was thinking about like i used to play in like a, a punk hardcore band in high school and i can remember like times where times where like expectations weren't being met we were supposed to meet for rehearsal and it just didn't happen and here's what i can remember i can't remember a specific instance but what i can remember acutely is the feeling even if you can't think of a specific instance of a time where somebody had made a promise to you and then they didn't keep up the thing that they said that they were going to do you remember the feeling of what that feels like of having your heart set on something and then it just doesn't come through and we can have a couple of responses to that, can't we? We can, you know, be kind and say, oh, no, no, that's all right, I understand. There were circumstances and things like that. Or we can we can j- just turn straight up cynical. If that if that happens to us enough times, we can look at people when they make a promise and go, yeah, right. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And you can go around and navigate the whole world talking to people like that. People will, will say very sincere things to you and you'll be like, yeah, right. Like, and maybe you're polite about it. Maybe you'll just kind of keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. But, but those kind of things can, can, can turn our perspective on, on people, on the world that we live in, and can turn our perspective on God. So this morning, as we, as we continue in this series that we've called Setting Life in Order, we're gonna be in um, Luke chapter one again, because Luke writes the longest chapters. It is incredible. Um, We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 56. Um, And it's on, if you're using the blue Bibles there in front of you, it's on page 1068. Because God made, as we studied last week, God made some big promises, right? He showed up to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth and said, I'm going to give you a son. And Zechariah said, "Uh, we're real old. God, you can't do that. And, And the angel said, look, I came all the way here from heaven to tell you that this was going to happen, you, you, you don't even believe me. Like, all right, you're going to keep your mouth shut. <clears throat> all right? And, you know, it, it It wasn't a great response. But the angel told Mary, who was unmarried and had never had sex, that you're going to have a child. And she said, well, th- th- there's something about this that doesn't make sense. And like, angel's like, yeah, I know this. This isn't how it normally works. This has never happened before in human history. It'll never happen again. You're the only one this will ever occur to, but this is your lot. And Mary said, I'm the servant of the Lord. Right? So God made some big promises that there were going to be some babies on the way. And we're going to see as we look at the rest of Luke chapter 1 and into chapter 2 a little bit about what God does when God makes a promise and says that something's going to happen. All right? So as we get there, let's pause together and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, your kindness to us, that you moved through men to write things down as you did things in the world. God, we thank you for Luke and for his faithfulness to to seek out eyewitnesses and to write down an orderly account. Somebody with a physician's mindset who likes to see things in black and white would 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 take the time that we could to would take the time to write a record that we could look at together this morning. And so, Lord, (laughs) more than just a prescription, more than just data and information on a black and white page, God, we ask that you would, through your spirit, make your word come alive in our hearts this morning. That, Lord, we'd see that these were real people and that you're a real God working in extraordinary circumstances to tell your story. And would you give us perspective on what our part in your story is? It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, page 1068 in the Blue Bibles. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 57. Luke one fifty seven. Now, the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives and they all wondered and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing god and fear and fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what then will this child be for the hand of the lord was with him so we'll pause there um so we're concluding kind of... This is this will be the last time that we really hear from Zechariah this morning. He doesn't really show up in Scripture again. This is his one moment in the spotlight. And and, and his first moment in the spotlight, he was in the temple, and an angel shows up, and he's like, hey, God heard your prayers. You're going to have a baby. And he's like, yeah, how's that going to work? Like, And the angel's like, don't you know the stories? And so he had to keep his mouth shut for nine months. And there's a small detail in our reading this morning that as i was going through this week i picked up on it and I thought that that's really really interesting did you notice that there's a conversation happening in the room around the circumcision There's a com- conversation happening in the room that zechariah doesn't appear to be a part of and then they make signs to him so I, I wonder if not only was he not able to speak not only was he mute but i wonder if he was also deaf because, because in the room there's a conversation and they're good Jews like they're, they're following the order so they don't name the child until the eighth day when they go to circumcise him at the, at the temple and so they're, they're doing the thing that they're supposed to do they're following God's law as good Jews do and, and in, the, in the course of the conversation they're like alright now we need a name for this kid let's write up the birth certificate what's his name and, and Elizabeth says John and they're like look <laughs> Zechariah's name ain't John your uncle ain't John your daddy ain't John like what are you, where are you getting this name from? Like that's weird. It's almost and and it we don't read it this way in in, in how we name kids today because we really like pick our kids' names off of like a, a blog list. Like <clears throat> we've had to do that. We've got six kids and we ran out of names real quick. So we so the Google we consulted the Google for this and and we didn't use any of our family names, but for them for them to name a kid that was not a family name was to admit that this kid is illegitimate. So there's, there's already this stigma of they were barren for a long, long time, and then suddenly she gets pregnant, and now they're not naming him after the family name, like, what is going on here? And there's this conversation that's happening in the room, and John's not apparently a part of it. And she says his name is John, and they're like, well, what do you want to name the kid? And he's like, can't talk, remember? There's nine months here. And so he asks for Ryan David, writes down on the name, his name is John. And how interesting would that be if he couldn't hear the conversation in the room? And he wrote the same thing that Elizabeth had just said. Everybody's gathered around. They're excited about this baby. This baby's a miracle. And they're like, what do you mean in the name of John? This is is scandalous. It's almost like God's getting their attention. I'm getting ready to do something here. You need to pay attention to what's happening. And as soon as zechariah agrees that his name is john he can talk again like finally (laughs) he 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 opens up his mouth and if you if god had like clamped down on your tongue for nine months and and maybe clamped down on your ears so that you could not hear for nine months what are the first things you're going to say to god i'm not sure that with my heart i would be like god you're so good Like, let me praise you for the work that you're doing in my life. Like, this has been incredible. So that just makes me think that he had a lot of time to hear from God. And he had a lot of attention to pay not on himself. And at the end of nine months, he opens up his mouth and he begins to to praise God. And the neighborhood, the community, rejoices at this. And they wonder, what's going to happen with this kid? Like we get excited about babies anyway. Every baby who's born, like we're just like, oh, there's so much potential. Like, what could this child be? And 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 they're so cute and squishy, and you just want <clears throat> to. But more than that, like this kid's a miracle. His mom is old. She survived childbirth. Like this is this is this is crazy. And then they named him a weird name, and now now we can hear the story about the angel and and how he was supposed to be praying for me, but he was actually. praying for himself and we'll have words about that later but 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 this is crazy so what does Zechariah say let's read together verse 76 and I'm going to read through 80 I'm going to stop in the middle of this and his father Zechariah so John's father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people Pause there, actually. He opens up his mouth and he's he's excited because God is providing salvation. And and he I'm not sure how he pieces this stuff together. I'm not sure exactly what he thought John was gonna be. He knew John was gonna prepare the way for a Messiah to come. He knew that he was the he was the fixer the guy who got sent into the city before an ambassador to make sure that all of the arrangements were taken care of. And so he knows that God is doing something new, something that he hasn't done, and, and he attributes it to this king idea, like he's raised up a horn of salvation, uh, which is a, a, a war term, a horn of salvation, for from the throne of David. There's this king that's coming. He's going to deliver us. He's going to rescue us. And that's how he promised all the way back, not only to David, who was a forefather, but also back to Abraham. Like, this is all going back into God's story. Going way back into into what we'd call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. And we said last week that setting life in order starts with taking God at his word. And so when God says, hey, you and your wife, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to be really, really cool, but it's got nothing to do with you. It's just because that's what God wants to do. Okay. Like, nine months later, okay, God, (laughs) I'll take you at your word. I've had time to look back at the story and to see what it was that you were doing, and now I see, like, you have done something incredible. You kept your promises you are keeping your promises and i'm looking back at the story that you've been telling this is this is really cheesy but i love it okay so you'll forgive me for this especially josh because he loves history history is his story everything that we look back in the past is God's story and the thing that he's been working out. History is his story and Zechariah begins to understand that what, what God is doing through John is setting up places in his story and, and he ties everything back into that. Because our lives are set in order within God's story. Our lives are set in order within God's story so he starts there talking about the nation and talking about what God's doing on a a big scale and then in 76 in verse 76 he turns his attention to, to John himself he begins to prophesy speak a blessing over the child himself In verse 76 and you child will be called a prophet a messenger of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So he said, Hey John, you're 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 not the guy, but you're setting things up for him. You're going to have to. You're going to have to give them some knowledge. You're going to have to give them something, a framework to understand what's getting ready to happen. So, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, um, but I did go to college and I learned things there that I should have known before I went. So I don't have the common sense. But there's this system in college where they put numbers on the classes. Have you ever heard of this? They they put numbers before the classes. So it's 101, 102, 126, right? Right. They, they put numbers before the classes and, and the numbers actually go up so they, they have 101 but then they also have 201 and, and then they have 301 and then they have 401 and if, if I'm, I'm sure that you guys know this I did not those, those numbers correspond to the difficulty and those numbers correspond with the year that you are supposed to take the classes so as a freshman in college I'm signing up for 400 level classes and no one told me not to And I get in there, and they give me the syllabus for this class. And they're like, you're going to do 500 pages of reading a week. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. This is a joke. No one reads 500 pages in a week. They don't even do that in a month. I'm not doing that. Like, there's no way. They weren't joking. I don't know how I passed those classes. If, i think it's just based on the test grade but i didn't realize i didn't realize that the that, that things were supposed to be set in a in a, in a certain order that, that the 400 level classes are supposed to come after the 200 level classes see elena's back there like moron come on <laughs> just being real with you <clears throat> so what john's role is is to be the 101 Jesus is going to come, and he's going to take. He's going to. He's going to build something that, that you're not quite. And you're not going to be ready for it unless unless John comes and set things up. What's the key? What does John have to teach them? What does it say in verse seventy seven to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins? See, Zechariah thought this way, and as you read the interaction with the angel, Mary was thinking this way too. That the salvation that God's going to bring is a king for the nation. The salvation that God's going to bring is, is a political system, is a king that's going to set up and kick the Romans out and let us do what we always thought we were supposed to do. <clears throat> and so John's going to come and say, not yet. <laughs> it's not, the, the, the need that you need addressed isn't necessarily first this, this, this national need of a king showing up. The need that you need addressed first is your sin. That if you don't repent from your sin and live righteously before God, then then, then then what? why do you care that you belong to his nation? If you're not going to have the character of God, why do you care that you're the people of God? And that's going to be John's message. We're going to look at it a lot more extensively next week. He came to help people identify the main problem, and that was the forgiveness of sin. So when God identifies problems in our lives, do we agree with him? Do we agree with God when he identifies a problem in our lives? Because there's times where he will do this to us. We'll be reading the word and be like, this is the problem for the thing that you're facing. You're like, that's not the problem. Come on, God, don't you know better than that? (laughs) It's not a sin issue. This is, I need more money. It's not a greed issue. It's just like, I just need a little bit more. This isn't, this isn't like a, a lust issue. It's just I like looking. Do we agree with God when he identifies our problem? As Luke continues in chapter 2, I'm just going to summarize for you briefly. I think it's fascinating that, that Luke gives no mention of the details of the conversation between Mary and Joseph. Um, we know from Matthew a little bit of how that conversation went, but Luke, the guy who wants everything in order and wants a, a full account of everything that happened, he doesn't even touch that. He just says, look, they, they, got, they got on a donkey and they traveled from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. So going from the top of the country all the way down through Jerusalem to the bottom of the country to Bethlehem because there was tax season and they had to pay their taxes and there was this census thing. And, and so they went. And when they went, they had a baby, just like they said. So, understand that God said there was going to be two babies, and now there's two babies. Kind of, kind of simple, and I feel dumb pointing it out, but it happened. There's just a lack of details. Like, don't you want to know? Don't you like? I know that we see in Matthew like he was going to, was uh, Joseph was planning to divorce his wife quietly, but don't you want to hear the conversation of how that goes? You're pregnant with God's baby. We got a road trip. I got to travel a couple hundred miles here for tax purposes. And you're pregnant. Okay. those, Those are the questions I have when I get to heaven. I don't know about you guys. But the lack of details Listen, the lack of details And how Luke is telling this story Points me to one thing That our lives are set in order Within God's story It's not Mary and Joseph's story necessarily It's setting that story Within the story that God Was getting ready to tell And the place where he does Give a bunch of details Is in chapter 2 verse 8 And we're familiar with this passage But, but, but look at the level of detail That's occurring here Luke chapter 2 verse 8 In the same region where where Jesus was just born, outside of Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Third shift. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day the city of David In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So they're in the area of Bethlehem. And, and we're not super familiar with the geography, because but... But there's something that's kind of interesting about the fields around Bethlehem. Is that Bethlehem's real close to Jerusalem, <clears throat> and and in Jerusalem there's a temple, and at the temple they like to kill sheep. They don't like to, but that's what God told them to do. So they kill sheep, and 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 the sheep have to be special sheep. They got to be pure. They got to not have their legs broke. They got to have white white wool, and they need a lot of sheep. So Bethlehem you specialized. The sheep that they're raising in Bethlehem are sheep that they're raising for the Passover, probably. So these guys, whose whole job is to raise sheep for Passover, and an angel shows up to them in the middle of the night and says, hey, like, the the Lamb is come. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Poor guys. Working class. Third shift dudes. Bloodshot eyes. Unto you. A child is born in the city of David. Not, 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 the royal palace. This is going to be the sign. You're not going to go to the palace in Bethlehem because there's nothing there. It really is just like a like, like a podunk town. This is how you're going to know he's the king. He's laying in a manger. That's not how kings show up. What are you? What are you pointing to? What are you trying to get at? And this is this is so interesting to me. We, we read this at Christmas time and, and, and I'm afraid that sometimes we miss it because we're, we, we get stuck in our heads of <clears throat> look at this in verse 13 and suddenly there was an angel there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased <clears throat> host host is a key word uh, is a code word host means armies so there's one angel that shows up which was scary enough that he has to say hey don't be scared and then all the army shows up too and they start glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased and and i i wonder i don't know if it was or if it was a war chant like a bunch of a bunch of like battle-hardened angels like glory to god in the highest and peace like peace we fought for peace and peace is coming to those with whom god is pleased they can see the end of the war it's on the horizon and they come to the shepherds and say it's come- they've been born for you go and find them and the shepherds like their mind is blown like They've never seen anything like this before. They, we got to go see what's happening here. And so they show up, and Mary and Joseph are like, what are you doing here? It's been a hard night. And they're like, you can't, You won't believe what we saw. Let us tell you what the angels, the angels said about this kid. And Mary's like, yeah, I, I saw one, yeah. We've had interactions. <clears throat> and she stores it up in her heart, and the, and, and the shepherds are like, I can't believe this. And they go away, and can you imagine those, like, those shepherds, like for the rest of their lives, those guys look like madmen. We've seen the armies of heaven. We've heard their battle cry. We know that peace is coming. I just want to put food on the table for my family, but I know that peace is coming. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take these sheep and I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to offer them as a sacrifice of the atonement of my sins so that the angel passes over my household, but peace is coming. And I don't really get exactly how it's all going to work out, but this kid is, 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 is important to that. A life set in order as Jesus at its center. And I think these guys reoriented their lives in that way. They couldn't help but talk about the things that they'd seen or, or the good news that they had heard. And so will we share? Like us. Will we share what God is doing with our neighbors? Part of it is part of it is that we've got we've got to we've got to see ourselves, see our lives within God's story, because our lives are set. With our lives are set in order within God's story. So so part of it is that we've gotta explore, we've gotta know, we've gotta learn God's story. But as we begin to see my place in it, as God as God relieves the anxiety of like I've gotta do all this stuff this week, these kids won't get off my back. Will we share that joy with our neighbor? Because our lives are set in order within God's story. Let's pray together. God, you do incredible things, and not the least of which is that you left the glories of heaven to be born to a poor couple. <laughs> in less than ideal conditions under the scornful eye of of cultural ridicule for a pregnancy out of wedlock God the things that I faced this week the things that I'm concerned about the, the struggles that I have had I think don't bear much weight when I consider the people the things that you put these people through but God I'm thankful for the story that you wrote through them and I pray that you'd help me to understand what my role in your story is tempted to ask sometimes shouldn't you be paying attention to me that help me to know that you are and help me to know that the story you're writing in my life is set within a larger story that you've already established from before I was even a thought in anybody else's